The Evolution Channel is sponsored by Eternal Gold Beauty, the most advanced skincare line in the world. Awaken your skin to aging in reverse at eternalgoldbeauty.com today. You're listening to Cosmic Consciousness, the show that connects with today's way showers and conscious advocates who use real-life superpowers to catapult human evolution. Hello, Soul Family. I am Shannon Pardini, your host of Cosmic Consciousness, coding the new human for the new earth. And I am super excited today. I get to share this moment with a very dear friend of mine, and I am talking with Michael Coleman on the topic of the art of listening. And to tell you a little bit about Michael, Michael Coleman is an award-winning director and cinematographer, and for over 15 years has focused on the making of films about audio, music, and the creatives who bring them to life. After graduating college with a degree in filmmaking and sound engineering, Michael started his career with legendary music producer Jack Douglas. As Jack's assistant, he joined the world-renowned rock band Aerosmith, documenting their 2004 blues album release, Honkin' on Bobo. In 2009, Michael launched the Soundworks Collection, an exclusive and intimate video series focusing on individuals and teams behind the scenes, bringing to life some of the world's most exciting projects. This video series has featured interviews with director Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, James Cameron, Mel Gibson, Matt Reeves, and many other leaders in the film industry. In 2017, Michael directed his debut feature documentary, The Art of Listening, which I want you all to get the chance to check out if you can. With The Art of Listening, which is about the journey music takes to reach a listener's ear, from the intent of an instrument maker and composer to the producers and engineers who capture and preserve an artist's voice. Michael, (laughs) I am welcoming you here at Cosmic Consciousness. I'm so happy to have you. Why don't you go ahead and share a little bit with our audience about yourself, um, a few thoughts on our topic of the art of listening before we take a quick break. Awesome. Thanks so much. So, so grateful to be here and obviously to share the space with you, Shannon. We've known each other for longer than I, I think we could both recall. I feel like the our relationship blossomed out of our love for filmmaking and for storytelling and for the Bay Area. So, you know, I, I feel like every time I have an opportunity to talk with you, I'm so grateful just because I have such a great I don't know, I walk away feeling better than I did when I went into it. Even if I feel great, I feel better going out. So I'm really excited to talk with you today. Um, I mean, my story is like you elegantly shared. Uh, you know, I'm from the Bay Area. I've been here my whole life. And I kind of pursued a career path, which I didn't really quite understand. I didn't really know what I wanted specifically to do. I just knew that I was really inspired and motivated by all things audio and music. And then filmmaking was a parallel that I kind of was keeping an eye on, but never really, I never pursued in a way that I thought would become a, you know, a career path to me. Um, as I got older and as I've continued to get older, I've realized that my, um, my choices and the reasons that I start to understand why, you know, I do the type of work that I do. It's mainly because I, I, I love human interaction and I love 
helping others tell their stories. Um, you know, I think, uh, when people describe their children, they say, Oh, they, they have an old soul. And I didn't really fully understand what, what even that meant probably until later in life when I actually did understand that, which was, you know, as a teen and getting into my career, I would just, I would, I'd be very comfortable hanging out with people that were probably twice or three times my age. And I never really fully understood why it wasn't, it wasn't that, you know, I wasn't enjoying probably being a kid, but I think there's something about the knowledge and kind of the experience or maybe just the perspective that other people had that I was so curious about. I, I didn't fully know myself what I wanted to do, but I just knew that I, I liked hanging out around other people like, you know, that had similar interests or that had kind of um, a similar perspective on life in the sense of kind of this adventure. Um, the unknown to me has always been an aspect of my my career, my my life. I I like to look ahead, but I also like to kind of just look what's right in front of me and kind of spontaneous jump into things that I otherwise probably would have thought that I would have done. I, I think that's why my career has, if you look at all the clients and the projects that I do, it's so vast. There's like, you know, one spectrum, like you mentioned, you know, I started my career working with Aerosmith and producer Jack Douglas. And then on the other end, you know, I'm working, you know, very often with, um, you know, winemakers like the Mondavi family here in Napa, or, you know, folks like the San Francisco Giants or the Warriors or, um, you know, going and doing stuff with uh, musician, local musicians here in the Bay Area, like Metallica and Journey and Alonis Morissette. So I like people. Um, but the funny thing is, is that I'm a pretty like introvert. I, I don't really, I don't really need other people to kind of fuel my creative passion. I, I can be very happy being alone and just working on my projects or working on other people's projects and being very satisfied. So there's a weird balance that my career has taken. And I, I fundamentally am reacting to kind of the world around me and the requests that people have of me in terms of how they want to collaborate with me and how they want to incorporate me into their projects. And then it's also, a you know, the other side of the coin, which is me pursuing my own projects, my own passions, and very much just being very satisfied with spending time and energy doing things that um, aren't really for anyone else. Really, they're just for me. But yet, you know, I share them in a very public way, which is uh, kind of the outcome of what the Soundworks Collection video series has been, which, you know, I started officially in 2009, but has, I've always kept my eye on it. And it, it, it it's a way for me to tell the types of stories that I otherwise thought that I would have access to. And one of the most recent ones that I just shot um, this past week in LA was with the um, director, Denis Villeneuve, who's the director of Dune and his sound team. Um, and it's a piece that I'll be putting together with Warner Brothers. And it's about the sound of the movie Dune, which is, you know, for me, I just love collaborating with other artists and hearing their journey and then having an opportunity to help kind of tell another side of that story um, through my own voice. So that's my story, I guess. I love it. Yeah. Your, your story just keeps expanding and growing and just the people you get to be creative with on set. I want to dive more into this and into the creations that you're looking forward to doing solo projects ahead. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, Michael, if people want to check out your material, where can they find your content? Um, ColemanFilm.com is my personal website and 
pretty much all the social media, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, Coleman Film, kind of very straightforward and simple. But there's actually a story behind even why I kept it, <laughs> Coleman Film. But uh, yeah, ColemanFilm.com. We'll jump into that. That's how we'll start our conversation. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We are talking with the lovely and dear Michael Coleman, and our topic is on the art of listening. And so we will be right back. And if you want to tune into more podcasts like this, if you're interested, go to activateevolution.com. We'll be right back. The Superpower Experience goes way beyond the podcast. Listeners can connect with hosts and one another inside the Superpower Universe Plus membership. Members get access to high vibe connections, superpower masterclasses, and much, much more. Don't wait another moment to step into your superpowers. Go to superpowerexperts.com and sign up today. And we're back. This is Shannon. And we're talking with Michael Coleman today on Cosmic Consciousness. And I'm excited to dive deep into this conversation of the art of listening. And really quickly, why, Michael Coleman? What was your little story there that you were going to say? Oh, you know, uh, I mean, I'm very much, obviously, um, a big fan of George Lucas. And when he called his company Lucasfilm, I was like, that's so easy. Just take your last name, add film to it. So honestly, as a kid, I just said Coleman Film. That was just that was the extent of like my uh, branding <laughs> process. I looked at George Lucas and I said Lucasfilm. That sounds really easy, and then I did Coleman Film. But actually, you know, like the like the official LLC is Coleman Film Media Group LLC, which is like media group. Like I I, I do things that I, I look at others and I just kind of like I just have to move forward in life. And I it's kind of funny I reflect on it. I'm like I'm not quite sure why I named something <laughs> like that. But Luke, Lucasfilm Coleman Film. That was the extent of me trying to uh, you know brand myself. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And, you know, with that said, you, I've worked with Michael and he is a brilliant one man show. We all love the collaboration, but if, if you ever need someone on your team on film set, you want Michael and just watching, <laughs> watching you on set in the way that you move as a director of photography and a, a director is so inspiring you know when I was watching your flow and and how you were tapping into uh, the talent there's not missing a beat with you but why don't you go ahead and share more why don't we talk to our audience a little bit about the creation process wherever you would like to kick that off with yeah I, I think um something that I I think maybe often don't think about or overlook is, is just, um, you know, basically what I would describe as demeanor. Um, you know, my demeanor as an individual, just as if I, if I take my filmmaking hat off, I'm pretty much the same person off the set as I am on the set. Um, I, I feel like something that I set out to do when I was, um, deciding about, you know, what path to choose pretty much like, you know, transitioning out of high school, getting into college years and trying to figure out what I wanted to pursue. I just, for whatever reason, from the very beginning, I had this, um, I wouldn't call it a dream because for me, it kind of set, it kind of shook me in a way that I otherwise, I think always kept on thinking about working for myself. I had some dream or some like memory when I was a kid about being in a, in a work environment that, I, something just rubbed me the wrong way about it. And I didn't really fully understand why I was th having this 
dream or this this consciousness, um, this thought process. And I remember it so vividly because it it really made me think about um, why I enjoy working independently and solo as a solo artist. Um, it's just I, I think it's a combination of not being really told what direction or what things I should be doing. Um, as you know, it's kind of like the rebellious nature of like growing up as a kid and you kind of rebel against your parents. And there's a little bit of that. I imagine that's still kind of infused in, in me. Um, but I just, I always thought that after I finished school that I was going to work for myself. And I didn't really know what that meant. I just know, I knew that I was going to be responsible for myself and I was going to be responsible for, for whatever I did. And, and it just kind of gave me the certainty, even though I had no understanding what I was going to do, it just gave me the certainty that this is something that I was going to have to do because it was going to make the most sense for me and my process. And so I started looking for clients uh, and, and relationships when I was in college because I knew that by the time I got out, I would have to start to make a living. And even though like the first year it was a very small living, uh, I still was able to kind of foresee the future, which was I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to be my own, you know, in the driver's seat, really, of my my career and my, and my path. And I'm so grateful that for whatever reason, I had the foresight to do this because over the years, I've kind of pushed and encouraged my other friends who have been on the fence about whether they should do that or not. And I, I think now with the pandemic, everyone is kind of experiencing what it's kind of like in a way. Um, and it's, to me, it's so revealing that when we're given the power to kind of have that feeling of being in the driver's seat, making decisions about what we're doing, how we spend our time, everyone has a different kind of work environment. And I, I just feel like with the pandemic, everyone has a reset and a, a, I think just a peek behind the curtain of what life could be like if you are truly you know, in control of maybe what you're doing or how you're doing it, how you spend your day. And it there's pros and cons to all of it. I just knew for myself that I really relied on having as much control of my life and my work as possible just because I wanted to do so much. And I just, I had faith in my own process. And I didn't really know what that process was going to lead to or how, you know, what, what the end, there's not an end goal in sight. I mean, I think like, there's always been maybe a 10 year goal. If I had to like put a chapter on it to like give it some kind of constraints. Um, but fundamentally, I really just wanted to be able to explore a bunch of different avenues and a, just things that I wasn't quite, sh I, I myself wasn't sure about. And so I wanted to kind of leave it open to the universe to, to kind of present itself, you know, as we have new relationships and as we explore, you know, new projects whole paths and, and just like doors open that I otherwise would have never imagined some of the relationships, some of the people, some of the places I've been, some of the things I've seen. You can't really write a job description that kind of en encompasses all of these things. So for me, I'm very much open to just little to no expectation, except I know who I am and what, what my purpose is within that, that project or with, within the relationship of, uh, you know, why I'm, why, why people usually reach out to me, you know, to work with them. That's the beauty, the beauty of filmmaking. And, you know, a lot's coming up for me as I'm listening to you speak. And we do have, 
you know, the luxuries that we get to go to these locations we never thought we would be going to and having all these experiences with the cultures as, you know, filmmakers, we're bringing in all these different technologies. We're working with all this different talent coming from around the globe. And then we're in these beautiful locations and, you know, we're a maestro here, like, you know, trying trying to keep peace, but at the same time, there's this beautiful consciousness that just starts overtaking and flowing out amongst all things that I just spoke about. And for you, Michael, you know, what was a pivotal point in, when you knew you were going to take the direction of the creation of the art of listening? Like what opened up for you there where it's like, oh, I, I'm just going to jump in and really start exploring this idea within me? So in, in terms of like so in terms of the film art of listening, yeah, yeah, I, I I think you're never ready to take on um, things that you feel like are too big of a project or or something that maybe um, you can't. Uh, well, here's the thing: like anytime I work on any feature length project, when you're done with the project, you kind of look back and you kind of scratch your head and you're like, I don't know how that was even possible because it's such a large surmountable amount of work that. It seems unhuman to, for anyone to take on that type of journey. I mean, it's a multi-year project, uh, thousands of hours, um, I feel like, over the course of a project, endless conversations, um, endless possibilities. You, Especially in documentary, you really never quite know what direction you're going to be completely working towards. You just kind of, you have, a, you have a direction and you start walking in that direction and eventually you end, you end up completing it. And then you look back and it's a little bit, it represents a little bit of what you thought, you know, set out to do, but then it's also completely something that you could never plan for, which is why I love documentary filmmaking, because I don't really like planning. I don't, I like reacting and I, I, I like the um, spontaneous aspect, like I said before, of the, of the process. So I've always enjoyed documentary filmmaking because it really relies on you to walk into a space, whether it's with people or not. And to kind of feel what the room is telling you or what the space is telling you, what the person or the subject. And you never can plan. There's no, there's really, I prefer not to plan because then you go in and, and you're like, if I don't do X, Y, and Z, then it was a failure. And that's not what documentary filmmaking it, it is to me or even storytelling is to me. It's really about walking in with little to, maybe just with some understanding, but you really are just reacting. And so in a big way, I've kind of applied that to my greater kind of perspective of how I perceive, you know, my life and my work and my relationships is that um, the art of listening was an incredible challenge. And I learned so much. And then the thing that I took away with, which it, which I carry with me now, almost, you know, on a daily basis is that expectation. I didn't really fully understand um, what my expectation, why, why was I doing this? Why was it important to me? What was I expecting for this project to do? Something you dedicate years and years and, you know, maybe only a hundred people or a thousand people. Fortunately, I mean, when we released it online, it, yeah, I, I, I think the last number was like 1.6 million streams. I was like, okay, cool. Like I can justify all this time. Like, thank God, like someone saw it, which, which to me is the greater, meaning of the art of listening, which is expectation that are you going to be as satisfied about what you're doing or how you do it based on 
the numbers of people that see something or a specific type of reaction. It only takes one negative comment to really pull the whole ship down. And so like, is that going to be, you know, the, the, the takeaway, um, you know, what is the expectation? And so for me, the art of listening was a big test. It was a test of, are you willing to bet it all on black and spin the wheel and see where it lands and be okay with the outcome? And, you know, it's been, it's been a recurring theme now because there's plenty of projects that I might work on for months, if not years. And you have to be okay. Kind of like what, what the outcome might be, because that's, that kind of is challenging the expectation in my mind. And that, that has helped me feel okay with, you know, not all things need to be home runs. They don't all need, they, they all don't need to be justified by some type of, you know, celebratory film festival or outpouring of views. Um, because, you know, when you get that one email or you meet that one person and they say, you know, I saw your project, I've been following your work. I'm really grateful for what you do. That's actually even better than the thousands of, you know, people that might be, I'll never meet, I'll never see that have, that have experienced my work that I have no relationship to. So expectation to me is, um, really the key word that I watch away with from the art of listening. It, you know, it was a, probably a three year plus project. Um, it took probably close to eight, nine months just to get the project into, into financing. Um, it was financed by Sony music and it's just like patience. Like there was no other way to describe it. Like I, I want this project to happen. I'm going to be as patient as possible and let's just see where it goes. And then, you know, from there it was like another year and a half or almost two years until the project was completed and, um, out. So yeah, it was, it's like the amount of PTSD that one has after doing a feature documentary. I don't know why anyone would go back and do it again, which is exactly what I'm doing now, but you know, it's just like, you can't really tell yourself not to do something when you enjoy it, even though there's so much, there's so much frustration and pain wrapped up to it. But I guess that's the life of what, you know, of an artist. Yeah, I, I fully understand. I've had so many projects under my belt and, you know, they, they last long, they last for years. And sometimes we wonder why we go back and jump right back in. But there's this state of consciousness where when we are in creation, it is the highest of highs. It's just such a flow state coming through. And it, it is just like you expressed, it's meeting that person. It's having that one interaction or being on set where everything is so synchronistic, where there's no words to describe it for me, except for flow state, but it is such an upliftment. And you see when everything just goes perfectly and all the energy, you know, in the background to develop that perfect synchronicity. Um, it just, creation is everything. And I'm excited for you to jump into your next adventure because I know that's what you love. And wouldn't you say now, with all your experience going into these things, you know how to do them in more of a joyful manner? You know what you're attracted to and how to keep along with that kind of frequency you're bringing into the project itself? Yeah, it's it's something that I can only, I think when you have a few, 
well, many years under your belt, you only have the perspective of things things that are forgettable and things that you don't want to forget and and the things that uh, you want to continue doing and the relationships that you want to continue um, supporting and manifesting. So yeah, it's been uh, an incredible, I just had a birthday uh, some six days ago and I, I, you know, I, I looked back on, you know, the 39 years that I've been on this planet and I wonder what I want to do with the next 39 years. And there are things that, I no longer want to bring into the future and things that I want to actually dive into, you know, right into the deep end um, that scare me and that intimidate me and that fundamentally I don't really quite know how I'm going to do it. But I just know that I need to challenge myself because that's the only way we learn is when you're forced to basically survive. And I say survive in a sense of like this is life or death. This is filmmaking is not life or death. It's a it's a in my mind of. I'd be very conscious of it's a very first world problem of, you know, being an artist and trying to find, you know, its place in the world. Yet, I think art has some of the most um, important place in society, as we've seen with the pandemic, without our music, without our filmmaking, without our storytelling, without our art, without our collective kind of consciousness of coming together. You know, when we see a live concert, when we watch a film, we do it in company of other people. And I feel like that to me speaks volumes about the importance of these art forms. And so I more than ever am really focused on how can I do what I do, but do it in a way that I feel is a little more honest with what I care about today and what, and, and if I, you know, if my time were cut short, what would I be more most happy that I spent my, you know, final days. It's very, it's a very dire thing to think about, but to be honest, it's how I justify saying no, um, to many things, which is really hard. And I, it's, it's obviously one of the hardest things to do because there's, it's no is the thing that I've, I've continued to tell myself by saying no to this, I'm saying yes to something else. And the only way I can say yes to something else is by fundamentally just, walking away from things that I otherwise don't want to commit my time to. I mean, money is, um, a regenerate, you know, it's, there's an endless supply amount of money. Time, unfortunately is, you know, at a shortage and we only have so much time. And so I really try to be as conscious as I can. It's really hard though, when, you know, someone that I've had a relationship with probably 10, 15 years and they want to continue working with you and you just have to, figure out, you know, how am I going to, how am I going to elegantly say no? I don't know. I don't, I don't really, I don't know the answer, but that's what I'm kind of faced with right now. I've, I've had, you know, working relationships that go 15 plus years and I no longer find value in terms of me being satisfied with the work that I'm doing, but yet the relationship is, is so deep. And so I think this is kind of like the crossroads that I'm at right now, which is, how do I grow as an artist? How can I continue to challenge myself? But I can't do it with the current baggage or the current relationship. Baggage is not the right word. Baggage <laughs> baggage has a negative connotation. But how can I continue to grow without basically completely ignoring the, my past? Because my past obviously is so fundamental to my growth. So that's where I am right now. Michael Coleman at 39. I'm trying to fully figure out a way 
to to move forward because my time is I have a almost a six month old baby. If I thought time was fleeting, it's even more fleeting now because you know any time that I have, I'm giving it to my wife and and my son and. And that's not going to change. That's that's the rest of my life. So I have to figure out other ways to free up my time and my energy because I've never been so exhausted in my life. So I, I'm very grateful for you know having the time to to work on the things that I do. Oh, I love I love hearing your truth and your honesty and your experience. And you know, it, it's just that from my experience too of of all the different creations and coming onto this podcast and, and letting go of what wasn't serving me, you know, to, to really identify with who I am, to know the truth and the, the energy that I can give. And it's just like what you're saying, but it's also when we're making that space and that choice to let go, we're giving the past freedom to kind of recalibrate itself too you know, where it gives them time to, whether that be people, places, or things, um, you know, really find what works for them to fine tune. And if we're going to meet again, you know, in a place where the energy is synergistic and flows right, that will happen. But, you know, reflecting on what you're saying, I always think that with consciousness, we have to create something new for something new to come in. Right. And, you know, making that space is everything. It's everything because we are so powerful in what we want to give to humanity. And, and like you said, like you're tired, but you know, at the end of the day, everything that you're doing is for unity consciousness, right? Like when everyone's coming together and, and watching these movies together and the music, there's no better feeling than that, you know, with our families and everything. So uh, just just beautiful hearing your story, Michael. And as we wrap here, is there anything else you want to share with our audience? Any thoughts that come to mind? I, I think my journey, just trying to navigate my own work has been um, one that, I, like I said, I didn't fully understand how I got here. But now that I'm here, I have a little perspective and I also have appreciation for my gift and, and what and this is something that my wife reminds me of, which is, uh, you know, whatever it is that you choose to do, make sure that you do it with I think with like the utmost um, authenticity, and that you, when you show up, you're showing up for yourself and not you're not showing up for someone else uh, because that uh, that is what makes us all unique, and you can't ignore your gifts or your talents, and so you know I don't I I don't compare myself to others. I try not to, even though it's like a very obviously human trait. It's something that we love to do. And I, I try to reflect that feeling of comparison because it's, um, I just did it even now, uh, just last night when I was writing an email to a client for a big project, for one of these projects that I reached out to somebody, a manager and said, I'd like to work with your artists would you be interested? And then a month later, she got back to me. And I was just flattered that she was, you know, so open to receive my invitation. Um, and then she asked for some work samples. And I, I and all my work samples, I just looked at them, I said, once again, these are not good enough. These aren't the types of videos, maybe or the types of projects, or the, tri- the type of perspective that makes sense. And I, I felt, I felt very small, very quickly, I, I didn't really fully 
appreciate all the work and time and energy that it took for me to get here, even though she's saying, I love what you're presenting me. Can I see more? And then the second she asked for more and I, I, I went through all these work samples, I was like, oh, this doesn't. I don't feel like I'm enough. I don't feel like I have the right work. I don't feel like it represents the types of things that I think she thinks I should be, or maybe, I mean, it's just like all those things kind of spin out of control. And so then I just basically have to be satisfied or just be okay with the reality of this is where I am here today. This is not where I will be tomorrow, but you know, moving forward, I'll continue just to try my hardest to, you know, never, never, try to compare myself to others or be unhappy with where I'm at now, because that's not where I'm going to be. Yeah. It's just, it's just, we're an evolving, you know, it's an evolving state. So, um, that, that was kind of like me being opening myself up to criticism, my own criticism. Uh, it felt both terrifying and really good because it just showed that I still have a lot of growth to do when it came to my own work. And, um, one of the other things that i that kind of helps me remind or justify this pain or the sense of kind of discomfort is, you know, like the basic, um, Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, I, the quote of no mud, no Lotus, which to me is we can't have a beautiful flower without going through the ugliness of, of mud, I suppose. And, um, you know, the, the discomfort is a part of the process. And it, you know, like, like we often hear from others, you know, if you're not on, comfortable, you know, you're probably living in a very comfortable state, which is something that's familiar, which is something that you've done before. So it's not a state of growth. And so for me, I'm kind of very focused on how can I grow. So that also brings along the discomfort. So I'm very conscious that I'm kind of asking myself to be uncomfortable for a period of time here that really, you know, is going to continue for the foreseeable future. But how else am I going to do this? Because I've kind of already kick down all the other doors and now I'm I'm asking for more so the only way to do that is to grow which you know it takes it takes a little it takes yeah there's there's things involved including including the mud well there's so much to be said with with all that as well and you shine michael you <laughs> you you just shine you are loving you are kind you care about humanity you know, you're so sweet with your family. I've seen you in action at, you know, doing your job and just being friends for so long. And just who you are is radiant and enough. And it's it's so beautiful to hear, you know, where your mind goes and so forth. But I can look at you and, and say, you're absolutely amazing. And the work that you do changes people profoundly. And that just keep adoring yourself because you are perfect the way you are. And you're gonna <laughs> Thank you. Shining and growing. And I look forward to working with you more future based and doing another podcast with you down the road to catch up. So I'm just going to close everything out um, again. Give them your um, website really quickly to find you. Yeah. Colemanfilm.com is a great way to get in touch with me and all my contact info is on there. And, yeah, all the other social, obvious social media platforms. Beautiful. And this has been so fun. I'm super excited that we're co-creating in the quantum fields <laughs> together. The quantum fields are so alive. And for my audience, you know, really just tune in and 
you know, point being, we all are amazing. So really just follow, you know, like Michael was sharing how he followed these intuitive hits, follow your intuitive hits, trust your guidance, make space, whatever is not serving baby steps, you know, figure out what is serving you and keep walking towards that. Um, I just want to thank you all for being here with me at Cosmic Consciousness. And if you'd like to hear more podcasts like this, visit evolution.com. Oh, I'm sorry, activateevolution.com. And thank you for checking us out on Superpower Network. And Michael, just such a blessing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shannon. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.